Compliance Clarified, a podcast by Thomson Reuters Regulatory Intelligence. Well, welcome everybody and hello. Uh, we're here today with Season 6, Episode 8 of Compliance Clarified Podcast from Thomson Reuters Regulatory Intelligence. We're here today to discuss the future of the crypto and digital assets industry in the wake of the collapse of FTX Exchange. I'm Randall Mickelson, North American Managing Editor for Thomson Reuters Regulatory Intelligence. I'm here with Todd Eric, Senior Regulatory Intelligence Expert. Welcome, Todd. Thank you, Randy. And with Dick Satrin, Senior Correspondent with Regulatory Intelligence. Welcome, Dick. Thanks, Randy, and hello. So the the FTX collapse last month uh, highlighted a lot of questions over the future of cryptocurrency and the digital assets sector. Uh, Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen called it a Lehman moment, uh, referring to the collapse of the Lehman Brothers prior to the 2008 uh, financial crisis. Uh, The Senate Banking Committee Chair Sherrod Brown uh, urged Yellen to work with Congress on broad crypto uh, legislation. There are calls also for urgent regulation on a global scale to unite uh, all the big global financial regulators in a unified approach. Uh, But some are saying that that won't work. Uh, A couple of academics wrote in the Financial Times that the whole crypto industry should just be allowed to crash and burn. Uh, Nobel Prize winning economist uh, Paul Krugman says blockchain technology underlying uh, the whole digital assets sector has uh, shown no useful role in the financial system. So we're here to discuss those perspectives on the digital assets industry and what sort of course future regulation may take. So we'll take the questions one by one. Should should it be allowed to burn or should a crypto industry be regulated? Where is the value in the crypto industry? What are the challenges and priorities to regulation? And what form is it likely to take? Uh, so I'm going to start with the Financial Times uh, opinion piece by Stephen Sacchetti at, at Brandeis International Business School and Kim Schoenholtz of uh, NYU's Stern School of Business, they say, put simply, the crypto system as it currently exists is unsustainable. Absent clear and easily enforceable property rights, relying solely on private investors to monitor and discipline the behavior of opaque intermediaries has never been safe and effective. There is no prospect for a technological solution to these age-old problems. Ironically, however, Attempts to create a separate structure for regulating and supervising crypto will just make the financial system less, not more, safe. So we'll start with that question. Should the crypto industry be allowed to crash and burn, or should it be regulated? And we'll start with Todd. The simple answer, although I somewhat agree with the comments made in the FT article, it already has crashed and burned. The big question is, how do you regulate it? And what should the priorities be for regulation? Obviously, in parts of the world, there are more rigid requirements, regulations, and and laws written than there are in the United States. 
So the U.S. is behind the curve from a regulatory standpoint, and it does need to be regulated. There need to be basic safeguards and protections and you know, real core regulatory principles applied to this space. Um, but calling it a Lehman moment and different things, I, I think the FTX collapse is, is a wake-up call, which ultimately is a good thing because I think it will prompt new regulation to emerge. It may still take time, um, but I think it highlights some of the failures that are currently inherent in, in, in what is out there. I'd be careful to caution, though, and say that it was a collapse that was as a result of a lack of regulation. By all indications at this point, a fraud is a fraud, and it appears to be a fraud. Uh, everything's alleged at this point, but what we are seeing emerge, investigations are ongoing, so we're not going to jump to conclusions, but it, it appears now, and most people are believing that it appears to be a fraud. Frauds happen in traditional finance as well, and there are plenty of examples of them from Bernie Madoff to Enron to to MF Global, you know, misappropriation of customer funds. So would regulation have prevented it? Possibly, but not guaranteed. And I think what emerges or what needs to emerge is really basic safeguards or basic guardrails that currently are not, are not in place that may have prevented some of this So, or may have spotted it earlier. And we'll look at some of those potential guardrails as we go on. But Dick, what, what do you think? What I see is that uh, the FTC, uh, excuse me, the CFTC, uh, SEC, et cetera. The, the, That's the U.S. market regulators, right? Yeah. They are not in a rush to do anything. I mean, whatever they say, uh, because they don't want to apply a Band-Aid. They don't want to be the group coming in to rescue something that they think needs a, a whole lot of work done. So have they decided to let it burn or are they just taking their time to, you know, fill up the fire truck and show up later? I think everybody wants to take care of the investors as much as possible. And, you know, uh, the SEC has been saying that a lot of the people being burned are, you know, uh, young people, minorities, and and groups that they care a lot about. In the uh, Biden administration, those are priority areas. But nonetheless, they're just not going to rush in and be the rescuer. The rescuer are the people who have been saying, we don't need regulators, we don't want them, all along. Now suddenly they do. That's an interesting question. The pre- crash total value of the crypto industry was what three trillion dollars right that was valuated now it's maybe around 800 billion so if you let it crash and burn you've wiped out you know 2.2 trillion dollars of value so far and another 800 billion you know who are the victims there i'd like to put that in perspective i mean 800 billion sounds like a lot of money but in reality it's not a lot of money in the global financial system, okay, Lehman Brothers, when it failed, had a market cap of, of several billion dollars. They had a balance sheet that had been levered up to almost a trillion. So what we are talking, was this is this a Lehman Brothers moment? Well, Lehman was only one of dozens of firms in the financial crisis that were similarly situated. So the big picture here is relatively small. I think what has surfaced here, though, is 
how much leverage there was internally happening in these crypto exchanges and trading platforms and lending platforms and everything else. There was more leverage embedded in here than what people realized as a result of a lack of regulation. There were no limits on the amount of borrowing. And, and things like that. So it was the lack of regulation did help feed some of the frenzy to the upside last year and hence the, the collapse on the downside this year. But everybody needs to keep it in perspective what the overall size of this is. It is smaller than one of our largest publicly traded companies now at $800 billion. It's smaller than Apple or it's smaller than Google singularly, one company. Just in terms of the size of the industry, I think from the regulators' point of view, they were looking at how quickly things catch fire. And uh, it's coincidentally, uh, not long before uh, they got they swooped in or you know got, became very concerned about FTX, Robinhood uh, started trading crypto. And if you just look at the Robinhood experience, you, you see how quickly an audience of investors in this era can congeal and and create things. So that was, I think, a concern is it was at a tipping point. Oh, I I agree. I don't want to belittle that, Dick, is, you know, there are millions of people globally, millions of, you know, U.S. customers that have money invested in it, and most of them have lost money, frankly. So it is widespread, you know, from a public adoption perspective. And it is therefore a concern. And I, I, I don't want to, you know, lessen that by any means. Virtually every single regulator, particularly the OCC, the Federal Reserve, Treasury, have said there has not been a systemic ripple effect or contagion into traditional finance. There's no interconnectedness. It has been, you know, relatively isolated. So that's, uh, you both raise an interesting point here. Let's, let's say I'm an investor, uh, you know, an ordinary investor saving for my retirement. I go to my financial advisor and say, hey, I, you know, this crypto is interesting. I want to invest in it. What uh, obligations does that advisor now have? Can I invest in crypto you know, through that channel? And am I protected as if I were uh, investing in, in in stocks or bonds? The overwhelming majority of the financial advisors would tell you, sorry, we don't offer those services. You need to go do that on your own elsewhere. You know, obviously, there are some of the apps, the handheld platforms, such as the Robinhoods and other you know, broker-dealer services um, that are you know, providing both, but your your traditional financial main street financial advisors um, at the you know the the big household well known names are are not there yet, and most of them simply say no. As a lack of you know regulatory, you're going into unregulated areas, and that they they can't offer the guarantees and protections and safeguards that they can with with other products and services. Right. I go into to Robinhood's website and I look and it says you can, you know, here you can invest in cryptos, you can invest in stocks, you can invest in, you know, all kinds of securities. And then there's, you know, little sections and then there's a disclaimer for cryptos saying, you know, it's unregulated. Um, but how does that work for a company like Robinhood? They do have some examiners, some federal regulators looking at them. Do the, do the regulators just turn a blind eye when it comes to the crypto operations? I, 
Well, FINRA is actively uh, examining and regulating crypto firms and, and, and uh, has given some approvals for members to be involved in that space. And of course, as Todd was saying, as a securities industry uh, self-regulator, they're hyper aware of the segregation of assets. And that has been the sticking point on a lot of the applications and only a handful really of firms have, have been approved. But it is, it is enter, entering that space. And I would just, and it, it, I think it was reaching a tipping point. Um, Fidelity was planning to start offering direct access to crypto and drew a very strong response from their uh, local senator in Massachusetts, Elizabeth Warren, who has called buying crypto, buying air, obviously a, a sharp critic of allowing it into the mainstream. So, so the regulators are taking a look at what the firms they oversee are doing in crypto, but it's it's uh, still an unsettled area about how they can exercise any authority. Yes, it's and and I would describe the protections they expect as almost making it hard to be in the business. But you know, uh, regulators certainly are. are FINRA is important because it's the uh, brokerage industry regulator and licensor, and 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 they are definitely there, and they have a pretty good uh, level of expertise with the people they've brought in to regulate it. That is what uh, the expectation of the SEC and the government is that FINRA as the self-regulators regularly will play that role. And the, of course, the Securities and Exchange Commission has rejected any number of applications by uh, crypto firms uh, uh, to be regulated under their uh, umbrella. Um, mm -hmm. I'm going to key off on, on Elizabeth Warren's uh, comment about buying uh, crypto investors buying air. Paul Krugman, the, the Nobel Prize columnist for the New York Times, wrote a column recently questioning the, the value of uh, the whole digital assets sector and blockchain technology uh, lying underneath it. He says, the question I've never heard or seen satisfactorily answered is, what's the point? Um, he says the original rationale for Bitcoin is that it would do away with the need for trust. You wouldn't have to worry about banks making off with your money or governments inflating away its value. Uh, in reality, however, banks rarely steal their customers' assets, while crypto institutions more easily succumb to temptation and extreme inflation that destroys money's value generally happens only amid political chaos. Uh, he's noted a couple of uh, failures or problems with Bitcoin projects. Um, Australian Stock Exchange abandoned a plan to use uh, blockchain for clearing and settling trades. Uh, Maersk, uh, shipping firm Maersk uh, wind, is winding down its efforts to use a blockchain to manage supply chains. Um, a, a former uh, Amazon developer says it Amazon chose not to implement blockchain because it couldn't figure out what useful thing it does do. And, and one more thing outside of the uh, uh, Krugman column was uh, uh, El Salvador's experiment with um, making Bitcoin a legal tender is uh, showing every signs of failing. So are those arguments valid? Is there 
a role in the modern economy for, for blockchain uh, technology? And if so, what's its value? Uh, and I'll turn it over to Todd and then, and then Dick for their insights. With no disrespect to Mr. Krugman, um, I completely disagree. And I don't think he uh, dug much deeper than quick searches of, of failed blockchain experiments. But I, th- I think, you know, very similar to the dot-com or internet early days, there were a lot of skeptics and said, well, why, why would you need, you know, an email address? What does that mean? Or what, what is a... What is this, you know, internet thing? Mike Bloomberg famously said the internet was a fad. Yeah, so I, I, I think you you really have to have to probe different areas of what's happening. Um, I mean, as as Krugman said in the article, you know, ledger technology. Um, you know, obviously we use ledgers. You know, in in traditional finance and everywhere for, for, you know, going back throughout all history, you know, to upgrade or enhance ledger technologies and, um, you know, to a, another level of distributed ledger blockchain, um, it has incredible utility in a lot of places. And there are places that are developing, you know, open source software applications to be built on these infrastructures. It was uh, Reuters ran an article today saying that Goldman Sachs is looking to make investments in this area. That's right. They still see potential value. There is value or there is real utility in some of these applications. Um, you know, I, I know a group of people who are working on something in the pharmaceutical industry to more um, effectively monitor the supply chain. I, I've, I've spoken to people in the supply chain and logistics. Maersk may have uh, uh, abandoned a project. I, I know some people in Kansas City in cold storage and supply chain logistics that are using, you know, distributed ledger and, you know they're they're working on research to apply an NFT, which you know, to container ships or containers mm-hmm. and, and things like that. To the, these are technology advancements or upgrades that will take time to evolve. Um, that sometimes are very hard to kind of envision in the future. Um, it gets very complicated though when you start looking at tokens, coins. What's the difference between a utility token, a governance token, or a crypto token, or an NFT? You know, there's a whole new universe, metaverse. You know, Facebook wouldn't have changed its name to metaverse if they didn't think there was something out there in this new Web3 environment. Um, You know, gamers out there, maybe, you know, all of us, you know, 50 plus year olds, we're, we're not we might not be gamers, um, but you know what? They're using tokens in the gaming universe and industry. It, there, there is this kind of alternate reality out there that maybe our generation isn't as attuned to. And I think you have to look at it from a real big picture standpoint. So there, there is a perceived value depending on who's perceiving it. <laughs> Correct. And, and do you get a critical mass of, of people with a similar perception to support a, well, an industry? And- and it, sometimes it's it's hard to notice or recognize the utility. You know what is where where is this going down the road? Yeah. I you know one of the smartest attorneys I've spoken to who specializes in digital asset law. 
um, said to me on the backside of this washout or crypto winner or whatever you call it, there is optimism that it will no longer be about rising prices of tokens and get rich quick and mm-hmm. real utility and real practical commercial applications are going to emerge from this. And okay. that's where I think I think Krugman misses the point. And you think, are we still in early stages of that? Oh, it's very, very early stages. So just quickly, um, you know, we've kind of danced around the issue, but what is the fundamental principle of blockchain technology and, you know, what utilities do you see emerging from it? Well, that's that's what I, I you know I pointed at supply chain and logistics, and I, I think there's other you know the the whole NFT marketplace is a whole nother you know kettle of fish to you know to to go into or a whole nother rabbit hole to go down. A, a, NFTs, wh- whether it comes to collectibles, music, videos, um, art, and and different things, they also say NFTs. If if you really take a step back, it's really kind of similar to call it a super secure QR code. It's a form of, of establishing ownership or tracking ownership. It, it's establishment of, of a you know QR barcode that's that's unhackable or irrefutable or or things like that. So there there are applications in different areas. And like I said, you can go down any one of these different rabbit holes w- with them. But the question though and where the frauds and, you know, the FTX collapse or Terra Luna or, you know, all of these other crypto trading platform um, failures, it, it points to a lack of regulation and governance. And there is fraud in many of these so-called coins or tokens um, because of this, you know, fear of missing out mentality or get rich quick mentality. Um you know, and that's where these are very similar to traditional financial services. They're acting like exchanges. They're acting like broker dealers. They should be treated as such. And if you're custodying customer assets, which many of these exchanges are, you know, there's a need for regulation and there's need for verification and real auditors and all of those things. And that's largely absent in this marketplace. So it sounds like one of the challenges is to separate the speculative bubble from the utility. And, and we'll go to Dick now. Yeah, I'd just like to push back on uh, uh, what Todd said about, uh, you know, Goldman Sachs or whoever you can point to. Um, some of the smartest investors in the world were backing FTX. And, don't, and we can't forget that. And the fear of being left out, that's drawing in, you know, probably my son and, and his friends and some of them who made a lot of money, actually. But uh it, it, but that fear of being left out, that scales all the way up to the top. You know, that's the fear of being left out as opposed to maybe rational expectations um, are, are, are somewhat driving this. And uh, it, it's also the fear of being left out of uh, a, 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 an important technology and have, owning some real estate there. And it's still so early in the game, as you were saying, Todd, that who knows? Is this the eight track tape or, or, you know, uh, is this, uh, you know, uh, my father uh, ran a a newspaper and I remember having a conversation with him in high school where he said, well, computers, that's not really going to save the economy. You know, you know, 10 years later, his entire industry was gone 
because the you know the, the internet basically taking over the print media as as we knew it. I was going to say I, I I agree with you, Dick, and that's where I think it's it is sometimes hard to separate. Um, you know, what are we looking as looking at versus you know a financial investment token cryptocurrency digital asset trading and the fear of missing out or greed um, versus you know technology utility and advancements in technology and practical uses they they are they are separate but yet they are intertwined and it's it, it's hard to get your arms around all of this as for your your comment on venture capital yes they've they've thrown a lot of money in a lot of things in a lot of places and clearly you know the money that was uh, invested in FTX they didn't do the due diligence that they probably should have I know it wouldn't have happened under my watch. I, I mean, I would have taken and said, you don't have an auditor or you have an auditor that I've never heard of. I'm sorry. I remember reading one of the investors, uh, Scaramucci, um, put a bunch of money into FTX uh, after meeting with um, this with the Samuel Bankman Freed for two hours on his on a cruise ship layover. He had lunch and decided to invest on that basis. And then he later said, I was duped. Um, so clearly there's a lot of, uh, there are a lot of people throwing money in hopes of uh, landing on something big. Um, so we're going to move on to regulation now. And um, what, what are the challenges and priorities that regulators are likely to undertake? Um, the, you know, the calls from Congress are clear. The Janet Yellen, the Treasury Secretary, um, wants regulation in the United States. Uh, President Biden ordered his administration earlier this year to, you know, to come up with a plan. Uh, what, what, is, what are all these exercises leading to? We're at a point, uh, remarkably, where there's bipartisan agreement on this, and that's important. Both parties want regulation. It's it's suddenly you know become a you know a, a full agreement that we need regulation. Do they want the regulation in the same direction? Essentially, yes, they they do. The the the, the main principles are you know. Uh, Addressing the conflict of interest and the concentration of ownership and governance in this uh, industry that is supposed to be about decentralized finance, and in fact, it's it, it, it's fairly concentrated. So, and and it's concentrated because of those roles of custody and uh, uh, clearing, and all, all the functions are in the same house, and there isn't the separation of roles that exist in the brokerage industry, and that has to be developed. Uh, industry self-governance has to be an essential part of it, and that's nowhere near happening. There is, it's still at the rivalry stage. So there's a, it's, it's, a, it's a big challenge to come up with a rational uh, uh, regime for regulating crypto, and it's a long ways and a lot of issues to be resolved before it gets there. Todd. I I would uh I'd push back on one point there uh Dick or well, before that I would say contrary to the you know our initial discussion point here on the FT article do you just let it burn and let it die. 
clearly the rest of the world is not viewing it that way. I mean, European regulations, markets and crypto asset legislation is going into full force, what is known as MICA. Um, there are regulations around various jurisdictions of the world. A couple of the the entities within the FTX empire that were held out of the bankruptcy were um, FTX Australia, FTX Japan, which were highly regulated entities. Um, so there is regulation happening around the globe. It's just the U.S. is incredibly slow to go forward with it. What is the priority that will emerge is the bigger question. Um, and I agree with you, Dick, that these centralized platforms have too many conflicts of interest. I mean, in traditional finance, you don't have an exchange that's also a custodian, that's also a market maker, that also has an affiliated hedge fund that's trading against the customers. That just doesn't happen. <laughs> and that's what appears to have happened at, at FTX. So clear separation. And then, you know, I think, you know, I said it earlier this year in the collapse of Terra Luna, this was a so-called stable coin where the value is not, it's supposed to be pegged to an underlying value such as a dollar. A stable coin has to be actually reserved and backed similar to, you know, a money market or a bank deposit. If you're going to call it stable, it better be stable. It better be reserved. It better be audited by somebody who's real, you know? So I think there's actually some call it low hanging fruit from a regulatory standpoint that you can say, okay, right there, I just laid out your your legislative or regulatory requirements for a stable coin. Okay. What I think everybody, both parties, will agree on that. You know, the conflicts of interest, I think what I just laid out is is pretty self-explanatory. It doesn't happen in other areas of finance. It shouldn't be happening in cryptos. The big challenge that's out there, it's kind of the elephant in the room, actually it's a herd of elephants, but um, is uh, can the industry founded on secrecy create a, or buy into a regulatory regime based on complete transparency? And that's a question. The other second issue, which we haven't gotten into at all, is that if you're talking about an efficient technology, um, how does uh, delivering smart contracts around the world or whatever the blockchain is supposed to do, how do you see that as an efficient technology when it's consuming, you know, the energy of, you know, half of Europe to create Bitcoin? I, I, I'm not going to go into the energy debate, but I, what I would say is the debate over regulation really more is, is a debate over Enforcement. We've seen enforcement. The industry inherently says we want clarity. However, there are some aspects of the industry that are truly libertarian, you know, uh, uh, in nature that are inherently, you know, anti-establishment, anti, um, you know, financial system. And I use the term libertarian loosely, but I think it does kind of define what is inherent in some aspects of it. But I think that is the, the, the difference between CFI and DeFi, centralized finance and decentralized finance. There will always be this component of decentralized finance that wants no regulation and they want no part of any of this. And they want to be able to do things, you know, free and clear and without any oversight or anything else, peer to peer, whatever that that's a very small portion of, of this universe, frankly. Um, 
this more traditional finance or CFI, centralized finance, are the FTXs and Coinbase's and the big exchanges that that have, frankly, I think they do want to embrace regulation and they want clarity for all sorts of purposes. And they're accustomed to it because many of those people came from traditional finance. The, the, the key will be to to prioritize those regulations and, you know, get industry buy-in from them. In one sense, there's this, you know, anti, you know, you correctly identified an, an anti-establishment uh, streak in the industry. And, and Dick talked about, you know, an industry founded on secrecy and so forth. So how willingly will an industry with these kind of anti-government, anti-authoritarian principles going to accept or adapt to government intervention? There's always going to be that debate, is what I was going to say. There is that debate. Yeah, I think they will, the industry writ large and all corners will embrace regulation insofar as it validates and rescues them from crypto winter and restores the trust and confidence of investors, which it has lost. But will they embrace the kind of regulation that you see in the mainstream securities industry is the question. And I have doubts about that. There are factions that will, and but there will always be that small faction that doesn't. And that's the division that, you know, and there will be debates over, you know, call it technology. I mean, law enforcement is actively pursuing, you know, money laundering and frauds and scams and, you know, making sure that these hacks don't end up in North Korea. And there's been takedowns of, of uh, you know, uh, mixers and different things like that. That is one of the inherent positives of the blockchain is the transparency of a lot of the movements and things. And there are crypto analytics firms out there that are tracking these things um, that I think do a great job and service to the industry. So there is a very large, call it percentage, and I I don't know if it's 75% or 90% or maybe it's only 60%. I, I don't know, but there's a very big industry component that really wants to do call it what's right, and act in a regulated and compliant manner. However, they will have, they will have uh, legal or um, philosophical debates. You know, is software or is code actually, or is an address actually, you know, something that can be sanctioned? We, we've seen that in real life. And, the, and those, those things are, are very difficult questions. So yes, there will be some fringe or smaller percentage of the diehard core original adopters that will be de- defied to the very end. Um, you know, just yeah. like in society in general, there are those components. Well, the, the, um, that raises, or maybe another way of uh, phrasing that question is, will the, the, you know, the institutions now that are heavily regulated and dominate the economy, you know, the, the banks, the brokerages, Wall Street, uh, move in with the, you know, in, 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 uh, in alliance with the regulators and put their stamp on the industry and transform it. I, I would say yes, that's probably where we are headed. 
And you got to figure that they're probably lobbying for that. And they will do it as long uh, when they know that the regulatory landscape or there is clarity and they can do it in a compliant and traditional manner, which that is completely contrary to what the DeFi universe wants. You know, the, the centralized, original, traditional Wall Street finance is the devil in their mind. So it, it you know, you will have this divide and w- which direction things go, you know, remains unclear at this point. Well, the CFTC commissioner, Rustin Benham, said he believes that we have 100 years of security law that can and should be applied to crypto. We have the model. But there are many, many details and sticking points in the way of getting there. I would agree. I, and I, w- I would agree. And I think that's where one of the critics of the current regulatory enforcement is too much energy or resources have been spent on trying to define what is or is not a security, whether it was library or XRP or, you know, uh, you know, simple frauds, you know, how many, how many resources were wasted on Kim Kardashian's token when, when in reality, maybe the priority should have been, you know, segregation of, of customer assets, exchanges, the FTXs of the world, things like that. So there is a debate over that. And and that raises an, another good question. And as we move toward the close of the podcast is maybe trying to summarize around it, but um, some people have called for uh, regulating crypto as a technology, that everything uh, 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 related to the blockchain and digital assets should be governed under a separate regulator um, and, and pursued that way. And then others say, well, no, you should regulate the activities in which each component of the technology is applied. Um, any thoughts on, on that dichotomy? I would say real quick, and then I'll give it to Dick. Um, anytime they've specifically tried to written law, write laws or have written laws specific to a new technology, they become obsolete by the time the, the, the laws are finalized. So I think we also have currently you know, a dozen regulatory body bodies in the U.S. We don't need another one specific to crypto. You know, is a new regulatory body or department going to now usurp the the power of you know FinCEN from an AML perspective or or what have you? There are regulators there that can continue to do what they're doing in traditional finance as it pertains to the crypto universe. And I guess one of their challenges would just be to make sure there's no you know, no cracks through which Correct. arbitragers or people can fall through. Um, Dick, you were you were poised to pounce. Yes, I, 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 I uh, uh, the CFTC chairman really uh, talked a lot of, uh, about this topic before Congress, and the conclusion he had was that there are a lot of you have to un peel and unpack every piece of the ecosphere to really address that question. And it, he thinks it does point to a single regulator Interesting. Hmm. that is able to bridge all of these 
topics in a way that none of the existing siloed regulators can right now. I, I think there will, my guess is that that, that will be the direction they go, but um, it, it's certainly not clear yet. The turf war is over is what I'm doing. But it sounds like that's still going to be a big fundamental debate is, is um, how do you break it up? Who do you give authority to? And those don't seem like questions that can be answered um, within the last couple of weeks of the existing Congress or the first few months of a new one, that that rather this this would be a long process in the United States, even as other countries around the world are going ahead with it. But amazingly, in the era of highly polarized politics, there is a lot of agreement uh, in Congress that we need something. Okay, thank you. Todd? I would agree. I, I, I think... You know, as the saying goes, keep it simple, stupid. You know, let's let's look at three or four early priorities that everybody can agree on and go ahead and appoint a regulator to it. You know, clearly the the SEC um, and or FINRA, you know, have expert and and the CFTC have expertise in exchanges and these should be regulated as exchanges, probably jointly between the two regulatory bodies. If you're custodying safekeeping assets, which some of these exchanges or most of the exchanges are, you know, you, you know, are you subject to, you know, bank regulations like a custodial aspect, you know, call it, you know, the state streets of the world or the, the largest custodians. Um, you know, there are different things when it comes to anti-fraud, manipulation, front running and all these different areas that are important. Um, you know, clearly, you know, the SEC or the CFTC and you don't have to have the fight over whether or not it fits the definition of a security. Frankly, most of them probably are securities. But, you know, if something, you know, is is deemed not a security, it's something different. Well, the rules still need to apply to it. You know, okay. and, you know, I, I, I think things can be done if people just take a step back and look at it. I would argue the counterpoint to what Dick said earlier about self-regulation. I wouldn't trust any of these people from a self-regulatory standpoint. <laughs> and frankly, that's what SBF, Sam Bankman-Fried, was advocating for on Capitol Hill for many, many years. You know, his push on Capitol Hill was self-regulation. Let us self-certify. Let us self-regulate. I think that argument is dead. Well, that could that could be a deal killer, though, and, and it certainly breaks the model for every other part of the securities and investing world and puts it more in the banking world in, in that uh Self-regulation is a basic fundamental, and it was the first thing that was number one on on Benham's list was self, industry self-regulation. Yeah, I, I I don't think you can allow these guys to self-regulate themselves. <laughs> well, we're going to have a debate in the future. That's going to play out for a long time, uh, it seems. Uh, so, thank you, gentlemen, and and thank you for. Uh, audience for listening to this episode of Compliance Clarified. Uh, we hope you find it uh, both interesting and useful. Um, we'll be putting uh, a couple links to a couple of articles uh, that go into a little bit more detail on these issues. Uh, we'll put those in the, in the episode notes and we'll include a link to more information about uh, Thomson Reuters regulatory intelligence itself. So with that, I will thank you all for listening, and we'll be back um, again with another episode of Compliance Clarified, and look forward to 
interacting with you then. Compliance Clarified, a podcast by Thomson Reuters Regulatory Intelligence.